everybody, good evening. My name is Emma, and I'm an intern here at HTC. And now the passage we're going to be looking at tonight is from John 11, verses 17 to 36. So let's have a read. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection day at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Can we pray before we start? Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much that, um, like you love Lazarus, you love us. And we just pray, Lord Jesus, that our hearts and our ears would just be open to hearing your word and your message today. And we just pray that in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, the title of this summer night's service and theme is encounters with Jesus. And so far, we've looked at two incredible miracles that Jesus performed. First night of summer nights, Lydia did an amazing job talking about how Jesus fed the 5,000. Incredible. Second week, Amanda was there talking about how Jesus was walking on water. Amazing. What a miracle. So to be completely honest, when I found out the passage I was going to be speaking on was called The Grieving Sisters, I thought to myself, really? Have they got this right? I mean, how is this part of the story meant to be encouraging? And you know, at first glance, this passage, it seems pretty bleak, to be honest, doesn't it? I mean, it really looks like Jesus has let Martha and Mary down big time. Now, of course, if we read on, we see that Jesus does do an incredible, incredible miracle. He raises Lazarus from the dead. 
wasn't given that passage. I was given the bit before the lovely miracle, the, the struggle before the victory. Why? Well, the more I looked into it, the more I began to see how Jesus really does provide for these two grieving sisters and how he meets them where they are and meets their needs. So I thought, to begin with, we could just take a second to reflect on how we're feeling at the moment. You know, post-pandemic, how are we feeling at the moment? Has anything changed since last year? Career-wise, relationship-wise, faith-wise? I don't know about you, but I've been surprised at how much this last year has changed and shaped me. But no matter how we might be feeling, the comfort from this passage is that no matter what has changed in this last year, whether you, you, know, you were initially really disgruntled about the 10 p.m. curfew and now you're kind of wishing it would come back so you can get an early night's sleep, you know, whatever's happened, no matter how your relationship with Jesus might have changed, no matter what has changed, Jesus hasn't. And God sees us and he meets us wherever we are. And we see in this passage through the interactions that he has with both Martha and Mary that Jesus really does know us individually and his interactions with us are personal, aren't they? I love that throughout the whole of the New Testament, we see how different Martha and Mary are. And even though they are completely different, they, they're reacting to the same situation, aren't they? It's their brother. And Jesus sees us and he meets both of them where they need him to be in just the right way. You know, with Martha, the more impulsive of the two sisters, he responds with the words that she needed to hear. He says, your brother will rise again. But with Mary, the more reflective of the two sisters, Jesus doesn't comfort her with words. He knows that his presence is all she needs. You know, Jesus sees Mary exactly where she is and he accepts her. He doesn't try to use the same method as he used with Martha. He sees her in her pain and he sits with her in her pain and he weeps with her in her pain. Uh, I didn't realize before I looked into this passage, but verse 35 is actually the shortest verse in the whole Bible. And it just says, Jesus wept. That's the whole verse. And just like how Jesus was with Mary and Martha, Jesus is also with us today, not only in the good times, but also through our pain and suffering. And he wants to work with us through it. Now, I don't know about you, but it doesn't always seem that way, does it? Sometimes it's really hard to see where Jesus is even working at all in our lives. He can often feel far away, like someone who doesn't really care about the little things going on in our lives. And I'm sure, and in fact certain, that the sisters were feeling this way in this passage as well, because we see them, you know, full of sorrow, full of confusion, and they accuse Jesus of neglecting them and their need. We see in verse 32, Mary cries to him, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
Can you imagine how the sisters must have felt knowing that Jesus had the opportunity to save their brother, but he chose not to? You know, at first glance, um, it looks like Jesus is cruel, sadistic even. Why on earth wouldn't he have saved Martha and Mary um, going through all of this pain when he had the power to stop it? And the answer is because Jesus loved them. It doesn't seem to make sense, does it? You see, Jesus loved them so much that he knew the most important thing was that they were saved. And he needed the people to believe who he was in order for them to be saved. You know, he had healed many people so many times throughout the Bible, but people always came up with excuses. They came up with explanations. But he knew that he had to do a miracle. He had to do something big so that people would believe who he was. He left Lazarus to die. He left him there for four days to make sure he was dead. You know, in the, in the altar, it says that he stank. His body stank. He was long gone. But Jesus used this miracle to prove that he was God. He let their brother die so that we may believe in him and see the glory of God and see that he really, truly loves us. And so the struggle before the victory, it highlights how our relationship with God and our salvation in Christ is more important than anything else. And even when we don't understand his actions or he feels distant, we can trust that he is working for our good to restore our relationship with our heavenly father as ensuring our salvation is the most loving thing that Jesus can do for us. Now, at the beginning, I asked, how are we feeling? And for me, usually how I'm feeling correlates with how my relationship is with God. But it's so easy, isn't it, to fall out of that close relationship with God, you know, with all the distractions of life. It's so easy to fall away from those good routines. And it's, it's amazing, actually, how quickly the enemy kind of takes a hold of us and makes us think, we don't need God. You know, I'm doing fine by myself. It's amazing how quickly the enemy can just turn us away from God, isn't it? And actually, I remember when I first started going to church, and I was going fairly regularly, and I was really enjoying it. I was in my first year of uni. I thought, do you know what? This is a fantastic place. And then due to life, very quickly, towards the end of the first year, I stopped going to church. I was distracted, um, I was busy, I came up with many excuses, and actually my second year of uni wasn't actually that good. Um, And in my third year, I thought to myself, do you know what, I felt really good when I was going to church, I think I'm going to go back. But, and here comes a but, is there's that feeling, isn't it, when you've been away from something for so long, I was just filled with this sense of almost guilt and embarrassment. You know, the whole of second year, my reverend had been texting me like, Emma, like, where are you? Are you going to come back anytime soon? Or we're doing a social, and I've just been like, no, 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 ignore you, reverend. Um, and so when it came to third year, I just thought, oh, my goodness, I want to go back, but how on earth am I going to be faced with the reverend who I ignored for a year, the church I've ignored for a year? And so I kind of went really sheepish, and I thought, if I come a bit late, hopefully they'll be worshipping, I don't have to talk to anyone. And I came in, and I was 
confronted straight away with the reverend, and he caught eyes, and I thought, oh, no, this is not what I wanted. And I thought, oh, he's going to think I'm a terrible, terrible person. I've ignored his messages. I haven't come to church in over a year. Oh, I'm an awful person. I just was filled with a sense of guilt. And instead, he just gave me the biggest smile. He was so genuinely happy to see me. And I just remember feeling like a big emotional wave whoosh, in my chest. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is this feeling? And I realized it was just a feeling of having no condemnation. It was almost like the last year hadn't happened. And he was just so happy to see me. And that's almost like our relationship with God as well, isn't it? It doesn't matter you know, how far we strayed away from him, how long we spent away from God. You know, he's a God that doesn't hold a record of wrongs. He's not proud, he's humble, he's gentle, and he forgives us, doesn't he? And actually, as I was preparing for the sermon, um, I just had a sense of the, the lost sheep parable come into my mind. I had a, um, just a feeling that maybe, you know, because of the pandemic or for whatever reason, people have been feeling maybe a little bit distant from God, and they feel like the same feeling that I felt when I was going back to church, a bit guilty, and then they weren't worthy of God's love because, you know, they've come so far away from it. And I just want to encourage you that if that's you, that in the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd, like the shepherd we sung about before, he left the 99. And no matter how far you've wandered, he will come to find you. And he will bring you back to him. And like the reverend welcomed me, he won't have any record of wrongs. He just welcomes you back and he's just so happy to see you. And so when I was thinking um, about this, I was just reminded that God has so much compassion for us. And we see that, don't we, in this, this story in verse 33. Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And even the Jews saw this and they said, see how he loved him. And Jesus has the same compassion for us as he did for Mary, as he did for Martha, as he did for Lazarus. You know, he is moved emotionally by our pain and our suffering. But he is also moved into action. You know, the sisters, Mary and Martha, they didn't know what was going on at the time. But Jesus knew exactly what he was about to do. He knew exactly the miracle he was about to perform. But it's so easy to forget that Jesus is alive and active today, isn't it? You know, we don't just have hope in a future eternity, but we also have hope in a living God who has the power to move in our lives today. And a friend um, recently said to me, how would you live your life if you really believed the Bible to be true? And I thought, oh my goodness, that is hard hitting, isn't it? How would you live your life if you really believed the Bible to be true? If you really believed that you know, Jesus was God and he died to forgive our sins. He died so that we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father again. And how many of our faiths are a little bit like Martha's? You know, she believed, but she wasn't fully expectant for all the ways that our living God, Jesus, could move in her life there and then. 
You know, in, in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he ends with, do you believe this? And so my question for us today is, do you believe this? Do you believe in Jesus' ultimate power over death? And if so, are you willing to invite Jesus into your life wherever you are now, knowing that he will find you wherever you are and accept you wherever you are? And are you ready to receive his great love for us today? Shall we pray? Yeah, Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much um, for how you move in our lives. I thank you, Lord, for how you've moved in my lives and um, in every person in this room's life as well, Lord Jesus. I just thank you, Lord, that no matter where people are on their journey, Lord, that you are a living God, you're an active God, um, and you'll be working for their salvation, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that people's hearts would be open, Lord. Um, and Lord, I just pray that people would be willing to receiving your grace and your love today. And I just pray that in your mighty name. Amen.